Today, we're going to do something a little different. I was thinking the other day that really for the past 16 years, I have professionally lived my life in a world where day in and day out, I am sitting with people who are experiencing the brokenness in life, right? It can be brokenness from a broken promise, brokenness from a broken relationship, a broken heart. Sometimes it's, you know, broken family relationships, maybe with children or grandchildren. And in all of this brokenness, there are some amazing life lessons that I've learned. And I, I wanted to sit down and really kind of reflect on some of those and share some of those experiences. Um, and my hope is that um, maybe some of these will resonate with you. Uh, maybe you have your own experiences to share, and I would love to hear uh, kind of what you've learned about dealing with the brokenness of life um, and how you have found a way through that. So I'm Jennifer Hargrave. I'm the owner of Hargrave Family Law, and I, I have focused exclusively on the area of family law since 2006. Um, before then, I was uh, uh, an attorney who worked initially in a civil litigation firm, and then I worked in-house in uh, the financial services arena for about 10 years. And so making the shift to family law was a very big change. And I remember when I first started practicing family law, I really um, I had no idea what I was getting into, but it definitely felt like it was a calling. And what um, attracted me to family law was, the, was an article I had read by somebody I knew, her name was Gay Cox, and she had written an article on collaborative divorce. And before then, when other people had always said, Jennifer, you should do family law, uh, my initial reaction was, no, <laughs> I don't like conflict. Um, I don't wanna do family law. But collaborative divorce really opened up my mind and my heart to what is possible for people who are facing the decision to divorce. Um, now, while my practice initially was uh, a lot of collaborative divorce, it has expanded. And so um, I, I do work in cases where unfortunately they're not collaborative. Uh, but again, this is just an area where I've had an opportunity to really sit with people and to learn, um, to learn from my clients who've taught me a lot. So I think the first sort of big lesson that I learned as I started doing family law was that um, it takes a lot of courage to get a divorce. And it was very, very different than the belief that I had, which was that divorce was the easy way out. Um, you know, I think before I started doing this work, I just assumed that people gave up on their marriages and, you know, it was too hard. And so they just decided to end them. What I've really learned is that um, anytime you're facing a huge life change, and, you know, I mean, divorce is one of those life changes. There are certainly other types of life changes. You know, maybe you're moving or you're getting married and, you know, you're starting a new relationship or whatever that is. Um, there's so much fear that comes with that. And, you know, the, and, and I get it because really as like humans, we're just, we're hardwired for things that are familiar. Even if it's broken, um, it's still familiar. And so, you know, you don't want to break in a new pair of shoes. So you're just going to keep walking in those shoes. And I have learned from so many of my clients that, um, you know, they, they stayed in the marriage. They really lived with the question of whether to divorce or not to divorce for a really long time. And the thing is, is when you're living in the question like that, it can be really, really confusing, um, in part because we're hardwired to not have that kind of change. Um, and, 
you know, one of the things that I've seen over and over again is that people will begin to experience moments of real profound clarity. And that clarity becomes their anchor as they navigate through the decision. And, um, and so I've seen a lot, of, a lot of courage when facing the decision to divorce. And I also know that living in that decision is such, is such a weighty place. It's a very heavy place. And oftentimes people will live with that question for many, many years. Um, and there's a huge sense of relief that I see when somebody finally makes the decision and they begin to take the actions and the steps um, towards creating a better life, right? They're not deciding to end the marriage because it's a great marriage. They're ending the marriage because it's a painful place and they have a vision for something better. So I think that's sort of one of my first lessons is really to look for those moments of clarity. If, you are, if you're in a place where you are facing a really, really big decision and, um, and you're experiencing a lot of confusion, um, the confusion isn't necessarily a sign you shouldn't do it. it. It's a sign that, you know, your subconscious is trying to keep you stuck because that's what the subconscious does. <laughs> so look for those moments of clarity. Look for the affirmations for the uh, people who support you through that. And um, for sort of, you know, if you have good friends, their honest uh, feedback as you, as you wrestle with that. Okay, so another, another thing that I learned, um, and this has taken time for me to learn, is power. What is power? Um, and so when I first started in family law, I remember, you know, I was, could be easily intimidated by somebody who seemed to know a lot more, was a bully or mean. Um, that's just not really how I move in the world, but it certainly is how a lot of lawyers do. And so if you're going to practice family law, you gotta, you got to be ready to stand up to that. But I, I thought those people were operating from a place of power. And what I've really come to learn is that real true power comes from truth. Um, intimidation, bullying, that often is, it's not really power. It's fear and insecurity uh, masquerading as power. But, and so, and so I think when you're, when you're maybe in a relationship with somebody who does intimidate you or is a bully and you're always feeling bullied, um, you know, you, sometimes people think, oh, what I need to do is I need to become a bigger bully. I need to become more manipulative. I need to outsmart the, you know, the narcissist or whatever the situation is. And um, I've really seen that, that that actually isn't true. What is true is that when you're standing in your own truth, like there's nothing more powerful than that. And so that takes work though. I mean, you really need to know, you know, know who you are, know what your truth is. Um, I think a lot of times we grow up with other people trying to tell us what our truth is and trying to define that for us. And really it's the journey of life to, to be able to figure that out for yourself. And uh, one of the things my father always taught me was that truth is what ends up eventually. And, you know, it's, it's a long game. And sometimes you may lose an initial battle or lose an initial fight. But when you're standing in truth, tr truth is, is what ends up in the end. So I take a lot of um, comfort in that. And I've, I've seen it happen over and over and over again. And I've also learned how to claim my own power and really how to help my clients begin to claim theirs. And um, it's, it's been a very, very powerful experience to learn the power of truth. Another thing that I've 
really like been in awe of as I witnessed this is the is also the power of hope. Um, you know, when you're facing a situation and a challenge, it's not at all un, uh, uncommon to feel hopeless, um, especially if you can't envision the next thing. You just know you're in a really bad place and you don't know how to get out and you're feeling stuck and it's, you're experiencing all the confusion that we we're talking about earlier and you're experiencing a lot of powerlessness and, and it's, it's really hard to, to picture what life can be like. Um, and so when somebody comes in and they're talking about divorce, I always remind them, I'm like, look, here's the deal. Every divorce, it has a beginning and it has an end. Now, I mean, there are some divorces that go on for a lot longer than others. In my experience, most divorces, kind of average divorces, will take about six to nine months, sometimes shorter, sometimes a lot longer. So, I mean, that's not a guaranteed timeline. It's just kind of my anecdotal experience. Um, but there's an end. And that end marks the beginning of the next chapter. And so when I'm sitting with somebody who's sort of, maybe they've forgotten how to dream, um, I ask them, tell me, tell me some things that you're looking forward to. Or if they can't remember that, I'll ask them to tell me things that they really enjoyed in their life, maybe before the relationship turned bad, uh, maybe before they even were in the relationship. And I can just see this whole shift in somebody as they sit there, you know, maybe they're angry or they're distraught or they're hopeless, and then they'll begin to remember a time when they were passionate about hiking or passionate about the arts or the artwork they were doing, or they're just connecting with that part of themselves that is, you know, their own desire. And, um, and the whole energy shifts. And then you can begin to see them imagine their life in this next chapter. And I love to do that. I think it's a beautiful way to start off a divorce process. <laughs> um, or anytime you're experiencing a big change is to look for the opportunity in the midst of that change. And I, I used this in my own life when uh, my mom, two years ago, was diagnosed with cancer. And we, we were facing um, a, a terminal diagnosis. And it was, you know, the, the one thing that I... I, I didn't want, and I couldn't imagine in the moment a way through it. But I knew, because I'd learned, um, that if you look for the moments of opportunity in the midst of this incredible challenge, you will experience great blessings. And so while it was definitely a very hard time, just like so many, so many stages in life are, um, I, I personally got to live through how incredibly transformative that was to be present with her and to find the opportunity. So if you're facing something that's, that's hard, that you don't even want to think about, that's the unimaginable, um, I invite you to really get curious and to really look for the opportunity in the midst of this challenge because your life may change in ways um, that, that are beautiful. Um, all right. A lot of times people ask me, like, why do marriages fail? What's the cause of a failed marriage? And of course, there are like there are all kinds of answers, there are all kinds of studies, financials, um, uh, adultery, if somebody's having an affair. And I think sometimes we confuse the cause for the symptom, right? So if somebody's having an affair, it's more likely than not that um, 
that the affair actually wasn't the cause of the marriage. The marriage had probably already failed at that point when somebody was susceptible to, um, you know, to somebody else showing a little love and affection. And I'm not justifying affairs, but they do happen, and they, they often happen after a marriage has already failed. Um, and, you know, and same thing with financials. Like, if you're not, if you're not able to make financial decisions together, there's probably already a failure in the marriage, whether it's you know just the communication or the ability to make room for both people to share dreams and aspirations and talk about fears. Um, so I don't really see those as the cause of the failure of a marriage. More often than not, what I see as the cause of a failure of a marriage is number one, it can be complacency. Like you just begin to take your relationship for granted. You stop making it a priority. If you think of it like a plant, you just stop watering the plant and then it dies. Um, and you know, if you're lucky, you can you can get to it in time before it's really dead and maybe save it. And I'm all for that. Like oh, we have great resources, great resources for people who, you know, can kind of see their marriage beginning to die. And um, there are definitely things you can do and steps you can take to save your marriage. Um, but another, another cause for failed marriages is conflict. And so what I always say is that it's not, marriages don't fail because they have conflict. Like any relationship with more than one person is going to have conflict. Even if you're just one person, you probably still have internal conflict, so you don't even need another person. But marriages really fail because of unresolved conflict, because we don't know. We don't know how to make room for two people who have very different ideas. I think, you know, when I think of like the romance movies, I know when I was in my 20s, um, my, my date, who's now my husband, um, we went to see Jerry Maguire. And there's that line in the movie about um, where she says, you complete me. And I just remember thinking, oh, that's the most romantic thing ever. I want a relationship just like that. I mean, all this, this total bullshit. I think that's probably one of the most destructive lines out there because you're, you're in a marriage, your partner is not going to complete you. It's not their job to complete you. It is your job to complete you. And then you take that complete you and you have something to give to somebody else. And that's kind of like the work of marriage, I think, is to really you know, is to experience that, um, the, the, those, those kerfuffles, those, those challenging moments, um, and to really know your truth um, and to stand in your truth and to make room for the other person to have theirs. Like, we do not all have to see the world the same way. We don't li have to like our, um, our pork cooked the same way or whatever, you know, um, the same salad dressing. But it's okay that we have differences. And those differences are what make life so interesting. And so if instead of being so judgmental and so really, I think, I think it's afraid when somebody has a different idea about something, you know, we can get really fearful that that's somehow gonna threaten our ideas or our preferences or our likes. But again, I kind of come back to that truth. When you know the truth of who you are, you don't need somebody else to validate it. Like, that's it, that's, that's, this is who I am. I like sweet pickle relish in my tuna salad. And that may be totally not your gig, and that's okay. I'm talking to my husband right now. Um, but, you know, how do, we, how do we resolve conflict? How do we look for those common interests? And, 
And one of the things I loved about uh, kind of coming into family law through the collaborative door was the fact that we focus so much on interest-based negotiation, on really helping people identify what are your common interests? Because so often, more often than not, you know, we want, we want in general the same thing. It's just our ideas about how we go, how we go about getting those things can be very different. And so if we can just let go of the fear that somebody who has different ideas um, is gonna threaten us and we can feel secure in our, in our own truth and make room and space to hear somebody else, it's incredibly powerful. And so that's, you know, I've really focused on that and learned a lot about that in my own marriage in terms of really showing up as a whole and complete person with some with something to give to somebody as opposed to turning to my spouse looking for to have all my needs met it is not my spouse's job to meet my needs if i'm feeling uncomfortable because of something he said or something he's done that's on me that's my discomfort um, i don't need him to change i did in the first part of our marriage you know but it's something that i've really learned and wrestled with so if that serves you, um, I'd, love to, I'd love to hear a little bit about kind of your experience. Um, you know, so often when people come into divorce, they've been really hurt. And um, one of the very human responses, this is like normal, I, I mean, I see it all the time, is that when we are hurting, we want somebody else to hurt. And, uh, and it can really be hard to overcome that. And I think that's sort of where like divorces can go way off the rails is because, because I'm hurting, I want him to hurt or I want her to hurt. And so I'm going to do things that I know will hurt and humiliate the other person. And, um, it's really hard to come back from that when people go down that road. Also, it doesn't serve you. Like if, if you're so focus is to try and make the other person hurt, then what you're not focusing on are the things that are going to make your life better. And so you're going to stay stuck in that place where you are really, you're just giving your power over to somebody else. If your whole focus is to make sure they're hurting, then you're not, you're not doing those things that are life-giving for yourself. And so, I mean, I have this conversation a lot with people and um, it's when, when they make the shift and when they can begin to recognize the difference between doing something to get at somebody else, to get under their skin, to, you know, to hurt them, um, to, to do something to them. And instead they can shift and really begin to do things for themselves. I mean, it's a... Again, it's one of those moments where like the whole energy shifts in the room. And um, a lot of times this, this will happen like in a mediation. We'll, we'll come into mediation uh, with a lot of ideas about, you know, what you want to get. And, and so one of the questions I'm always asking my clients are, is, is this, is this for you? Is this to make your life better? Or is it to make their life miserable? And so I think it's a really important question to ask when, you know, you're feeling really hurt by a situation is, you know, what's, what's your next step? Is it something that's going to help you overcome it, um, help you grow, help you become a better person, help you build the life that you want? Or is it something you're just doing to try and 
teach somebody a lesson or for the principle of the matter. I think one of the things lawyers sit around and talk about all the time is, oh, if, you know, for the principle of the matter, that, that makes us a whole lot of money, a whole lot of conflict is caused for the principle of the matter. Um, and, and really, like, it's not, it's not like when you, when you take, a, when you go down a road to try and hurt somebody, I mean, usually you're not really hurting them. You're really just hurting yourself. So there's a little, a little nugget in that. Um, there are so many other things I can think about and talk about, but you know, I, I hope maybe that this has been helpful. These were just some of the things that came to the top of my mind. And again, I would love to hear from you if you're, maybe you're a family law attorney and, and you have some of your own bits of wisdom to share. Um, I, I hope you will in the comments below, or if you've kind of lived through one of these big life changes and um, have had an opportunity to um, gain a little wisdom and a little insight and are willing to share that. I'd love to hear from you too. So I hope that if this was valuable, I hope you will um, subscribe and tune in for more episodes. Uh, we will continue to be interviewing awesome guests. Um, and but maybe from time to time, we'll take a little time and do a reflection like this. So um, again, I thank you for your attention and just uh, being present with me today.